employees that want to go distributed, they will find remote companies. And I think those remote companies will then have access to better talent. And so they will end up winning. Uh, I, don't, I don't think everybody prefers remote right now, and that's totally fine. But I think companies that don't embrace it um, will eventually die. I'm not saying that uh, lightly. I'm saying that based on how we've seen disruption affect um, other industries in the past, where uh, it, it can happen. Essentially, people who don't embrace the trend start to become irrelevant, lose market share, become less profitable, and eventually become kind of relics of their former selves. That was Almanac co-founder and CEO, Adam Nathan. In this episode, Adam and I sat down to discuss all things distributed, async, and remote. We cover tips and ideas on best practices around building async workflows within an organization, and Adam's thoughts on why hybrid won't work. So we'll be right back with that conversation after a brief word from our sponsor. Support for the Redefining HR podcast comes from PIN. PIN is building the world's first employee-centric communications tool, powering fast-growing companies like Shopify, Rubrik, and Sneak. Automate messages across the employee journey, so you never miss an opportunity and your employees are supported every step of the way. From onboarding to becoming a new manager and more, PIN helps companies communicate at scale. Go to PINHQ.com for more information. That's P-Y-N-H-Q.com. Reinvent communications for the distributed workforce. And now, on to the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Redefining HR Podcast. I'm your host, Lars Schmidt. And today, I'm really excited to be sitting down with Adam Nathan. Adam is the co-founder and CEO of Almanac. And we're going to be spending a lot of time digging into all things remote and distributed work. So, Adam, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, why don't you just start off with just a brief you know, introduction for the uh, viewers and listeners? Great to be here, Lars. Thanks for having me. Um, as Lars said, my name is Adam, and I'm the CEO of a company called Almanac. We're building an operating system for distributed work. Cool. So, Adam, one of the things that I really uh, appreciated you, so before, obviously, we recorded this, um, you know, we've, we've known each other, we've connected on LinkedIn and Twitter, and you caught my attention uh, early on, particularly for your embrace of open source. Um, you and your team have been putting out some incredible resources around remote and distributed work that uh, uh, I just found very valuable. So, A, I want to kind of start off with a shout out and, uh, and props to you. I love people that kind of build in the open uh, and particularly people that build in the open and then, you know, make that uh, make those resources available for others to learn from. So we're going to spend a lot of time talking about you know, remote and distributed work. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about Almanac. But before we even get into Almanac, like what was what was your first time working remotely when did you kind of you know uh first experience remote work and how did that begin to shape your views on on you know that kind of led you towards founding almanac yeah it's a great question and the sad answer is that the first time i worked remotely truly was uh when i started almanac before almanac i was a product manager for about eight years in silicon valley i worked at apple uh, at lyft and then at a fintech company called varo um all different stages of startups, really, from a Series A company like Varo all the way up to a massive giant like Apple. And all three of those companies, I worked in person. Um, they had offices either in Cupertino or in San Francisco. I went into the office every day from 9 to 5 or 9 to 7, um, did the whole commuting thing, You know, burned out regularly every 6 to 12 months, <laughs> uh, went on vacation, came back, and, and did it all over again. And when I started Almanac, one of my co-founders was based in the UK. And so from the start, uh, we had a distributed team 
I had a third co-founder who was at the time based in Boston. So we were already across basically eight or nine time zones from the start. And we started as we started hiring a team because we were all distributed. We started hiring people in different places closer to the people they were reporting to. So we hired engineers uh, in Europe. We hired growth marketers on the East Coast. And it became quickly apparent that it made amazing sense to hire people uh, wherever they lived because number one, we had access to a much bigger talent pool. And just to remind, um, just to give you a sense of the timing here, we're talking about 2019, uh, early 2020 before the pandemic. Um, and so, you know, we, we first were able to get access to um, amazing people who were generally sometimes undervalued because of where they lived or what was on their resume. And so for a small company like us that didn't have any real traction at the time, you know, we, we always all early stage startups have to practice talent arbitrage and hiring people outside of San Francisco was a great way to find amazing talent. Um, the second thing uh, was that because people lived not in San Francisco or New York, we didn't have to pay them as much because the cost of living in their local markets was lower than San Francisco. Almost every place is lower than San Francisco. And I remember at one time we were looking at an amazing engineer uh, from San Francisco who was highly aligned with what we were building, but his salary ask, which was reasonable for San Francisco, was like $220,000, uh, which was, I think, like three times my salary. Uh, and so, you know, when you're an early stage company, um, that kind of cash outlay just uh, doesn't make sense or, or isn't possible. Uh, and so being able to find great people who we could pay a great salary for where they were living was an amazing hack for us to basically get going. The third thing I'll, I'll mention that made it uh, remote really great from the start for us was that um, we were able to hire a more diverse talent pool. Um, and I'm not just talking about gender um, and racial diversity, but uh, diversity of uh, backgrounds. Uh, my co-founder, for example, didn't go to college. <laughs> um, diversity of uh, thought. Uh, I think when you broaden the lens outside of um, one city, uh, you're able to bring in people with uh, a broader range of perspectives. And that, I think, helps build a better product and a better company. Uh, and so long answer to your question, but it became apparent, even though I hadn't worked remotely before uh, when starting Almanac, that this was an obviously better way to both run a company and also uh, to live on my own. Um, I could set my own hours. Uh, I could. I didn't have to be in San Francisco. I'm a really passionate skier and surfer. And so last year I spent the winter in, um, in the mountains skiing and also in Hawaii surfing. And I couldn't have done that if we had an office in San Francisco. And so for both me personally and as me, me as a CEO, remote just seemed like the way to go. And it's exciting to see the rest of the world embrace it. And so I'm curious to learn, like, how did you land on the idea of Almanac? You know, particularly having worked in product roles in primarily co-located organizations, having not really been remote yourself, where, where did the idea come from to, to create a platform that was designed to be, you know, the operating system for distributed work? By background, I'm a systems engineer, and so I really like examining really complex problems and trying to understand why they, they are the way they are and how we can fix them. And one of the things I noticed uh, after you know 15 years as a professional, uh, it was that I was spending most of my days doing work that didn't feel like work. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners can sympathize with this, but I spent almost all of my working days in meetings uh, back to back. Uh, I would kind of surreptitiously check email and Slack, but never felt like I could get on top of all the notifications that were coming in at me. Any actual work that I had to do, I would do outside of the workday, like at nights or on weekends. And so I was constantly tired because I never felt like I had time to rest. And even though it felt like I was constantly on this hamster wheel, uh, 
it still felt extremely hard to get basic things done, um, even in some of these big resource rich companies. So as a product manager, I often never really knew, despite sending you know emails and hundreds of Slack messages and lots of Google Docs around, whether the team actually read the document I sent them, whether they liked it or signed off on something like a product requirements document, whether my boss would actually give me approval for an idea I had. And so basic forms of collaboration, uh, like getting feedback or updating docs, you know, required hundreds of hours of my time and thousands of messages and tens of versions. And so it often felt like I was like pushing a ball through mud where I was spending all my time trying to get basic stuff done and had no time left to do the things that I actually wanted to do and the things I was hired to do, the things that I got up in the morning to do. And I, I had this contrast as a product manager with the engineers I worked with who all use a tool called GitHub. And if you're not familiar with GitHub, GitHub is a platform for asynchronous collaboration on code. Uh, and it uses version control so that engineers can compare who did what on code. Uh, and it has a set of workflows so that engineers can ask someone else for review before they merge in um, their part of the code into, into everybody else's. And so uh, GitHub is now kind of the dominant operating system for code collaboration. Uh, it's used by almost everybody. And the engineers I worked with had were both more productive than me. They were able to actually get big things done during their weeks, and they were seemingly happier. Um, they liked their job more than I liked mine. And um, a couple years before Almanac, uh, the designers I worked with started switching from a tool called Sketch, which is was and is an amazing design editor, to another tool called Figma. And the beauty of Figma is that it centralized um, all of our design work and all of our people in the cloud so that you can access designs from your browser versus having these like files you had to send around. Um, and it integrated collaboration into the editor. And so things that previously required meetings, like design reviews and prototyping and engineering handoffs, could now all be done in Figma. Um, and so it saved a lot of time, brought a lot more transparency and integration to um, the process, not just for designers, but for everybody who worked for them. And so I started thinking, like, why do designers and developers have these amazing tools that are basically like designed for uh, the future we live in, which is all work happens digitally in a distributed way in the cloud, and why are all the rest of us basically using tools designed by Microsoft uh, 40 years ago for a world in which collaboration happened exclusively in an office uh, and largely in meetings? Um, and so if you think about Microsoft Word, you know, 80% of people in an office spend their days in documents. And Microsoft Word and Google Docs, by extension, are great document editors, but they're terrible at document collaboration and they're terrible at document management. Uh, and that's because they were they were designed for a world in which collaboration and management happened synchronously in person in a meeting. Uh, and today, the way that we work is number one, just digitally, as we're talking right now. We're talking, you know, basically through a browser. This podcast, I'm sure, will be stored in the cloud. And most work these days happens in the cloud. And because it's not happening in person, people can then work wherever they live uh, across time zones and geographies. So work because it's digital has become distributed. And when you work in a distributed way, you can't spend your days in meetings. We've seen what happens with COVID where companies have tried to impose uh, the old way of working with like constant Zooms on top of the new way of working and people just burn out. So if you work in a distributed way, you need to be more asynchronous just by default. And so what, what I started realizing was that the way work was shifting required an entirely different set of infrastructure to support it. And that infrastructure had to support new types of behaviors and processes that were designed for these new modalities in which we're working now. I think about remote work and distributed work as a form of disruption, just like anything else, where there's there's a bunch of entrenched interests uh, who like the old way of things, whether it's people who own real estate or people who have been managers their whole lives uh, in offices. 
But this new way, this, this new technology, and the technology in this case is essentially remote or distributed work, um, is, is 10x better than, uh, than what existed before. And what we're doing at Almanac is trying to provide infrastructure and tooling, pipe, the pipes essentially, to support distributed work. Uh, because we've seen that you just can't take the old tools and throw them on the new way and expect it to work. And uh, the, if you look at the headlines any, every day, the mass burnouts, the, the great resignation that's happening, employees protesting their employers who are requiring them to go back into the office. We, I think that's all signs that you can't blend these two styles together. You need to basically replace the old way with an entirely new system. Well, and let's talk about that blend for a minute, because I think that, you know, when you look at the the modalities of work you have, you know, co-located, you have fully distributed and you have hybrid. And I think a lot of the companies that maybe were co-located shifted to remote during the pandemic by necessity. Right. Uh, you know, now as they're mapping their future plans, um, a, a lot of companies are kind of centering on hybrid constructs, which is by far the hardest model to get right, because there's so much complexity involved. And again, like you said, I think in the early days, a lot of the companies who were co-located shift to remote, they just ported all of their co-located systems and operating you know, methods to digital. Uh, but you're still, we're still in meetings all the time. We're still doing all the things that we used to do. We're, we're doing that in an office. We're just doing that digitally now. And so I'd love to get your thoughts on hybrid. Is hybrid a sustainable model or do you see companies that are kind of making announcements around hybrid plans now you know, at some point, perhaps moving more towards either co-located or fully distributed. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't believe in hybrid. Uh, I think it's an illusion. Uh, it's, it's a way to make. I, I think it's going to fail because if you look at other, uh, if you read Clay Christensen's work on disruption, you know, hybrid is, uh, I think, a way that people who are entrenched in office culture to make themselves feel better about what's happening. Um, but it's, it, it ultimately won't work, and that's because. I think collaboration and work ultimately comes down to who it's designed for. And if you think about, you know, office culture, <laughs> office culture is designed for people who are in an office. Uh, and so work happens generally in meetings. You have to be in the meeting in order to understand what happens. Most people are terrible at taking notes. Documentation and writing aren't kind of like a, a first class behavior in offices. Um, collaboration is largely informal. Uh, often the person with power or with the loudest voice carries the day on a decision. You may or may not get sign off on something clearly. People often just kind of assume that if no one spoke up in the meeting, then it's okay. But it's, you know, there's a, there's a whole set of behaviors that are designed for offices. Um, and then if you, on the other side, you have remote and distributed culture uh, where um, people are enabled to work wherever they are, um, but that requires things to be written down. It requires a lot more transparency around what happened uh, on a piece of work. So people who are who weren't there when the work was created can see uh, how it got there and what they have to do. It requires really good task management. The, the, problem, the problem I have with hybrid is that there, it's, there's not an easy way to like find a midpoint between those two types of cultures. What I mean by that is, I think the way to, the way to make hybrid work is essentially to force everybody who's coming into an office to act as if they're distributed. And so in order to create an equal playing field, if you're in an office, uh, in a hybrid culture, I think everybody needs to be like we are on separate video monitors so everyone can see each other's face. Um, you need to figure out how to do uh, microphones and voice in a way where you don't get weird feedback. And so that means everyone needs to probably be in a different location. Um, you need to write stuff down so that, uh, for example, if you're writing stuff on a whiteboard in a conference room, 
Um, you need a way for people who are not in the conference room to be able to contribute to that brainstorming. And so you probably need to use a digital whiteboard. And so I think the way to make hybrid work is essentially to go distributed. <laughs> the opposite is that companies, I think a lot of companies think about hybrid as like a policy that they write and then they just wipe their hands with it. And, you know, it's like, oh, people can come into the office. You have to come in two days a week and then three days you don't have to, you can be wherever else. Um, if you don't actually adjust uh, how you operate, um, you end up in a world where the contrapositive to what I just said is um, that the people who are dialing into a meeting or zooming in can't see what's uh, being written on a whiteboard. Uh, the microphones are terrible. They can't hear the discussion. They have no way to equitably contribute. It's basically like a disability. Uh, and I think you're treating those remote or distributed workers as if they are second class professionals. Um, and I, I use the word disability intentionally in that um, you know, we have laws that help people with, with physical disabilities or mental disabilities live the same types of lives that the rest of us who are more able-bodied can. Um, and I think if you don't give, uh, if you don't level the playing field for your people who are not in the office versus who are in the office in a hybrid environment, you're essentially create, you're tying um, your workers' hands behind their backs or you're putting like a cloth over their eyes or you're stuffing their mouths. You're essentially taking away their ability to contribute and work. And again, all this entire conversation has been about meetings. What if you have uh, a distributed team that's in a different time zone than where your office is? The, the meetings are the problem in the first place that so much work, so many decisions happen in a meeting versus happen asynchronously in a document. And so unless companies are basically fully committed to essentially building a distributed um, operating system <laughs> within an office and outside of an office, I don't think hybrid's gonna work. And I, the way you're gonna see that is um, employees quitting <laughs> uh, and employees that wanna go distributed, they will find remote companies. And I think those remote companies will then have access to better talent. And so they will end up winning. Uh, I, don't, I don't think everybody prefers remote right now, and that's totally fine. But I think companies that don't embrace it um, will eventually die. I'm not saying that uh, lightly. I'm saying that based on how we've seen disruption affect um, other industries in the past, where uh, it, it can happen. Essentially, people who don't embrace the trend start to become irrelevant, lose market share, become less profitable, and eventually become kind of relics of their former selves. Hey, everyone. I'm excited to introduce you to the new Amplify Accelerator platform. The Amplify and Redefining HR ecosystem have evolved quite a bit over the last two years, starting with a podcast, growing to a book, and now leading to a full platform aimed at developing and supporting the next generation of chief people officers. You know, the mission of Amplify is accelerating innovation at scale, and we now do that through HR executive search services, cohort courses, communities, jobs, and media. That includes the podcast and the book. So you can check all of this out at AmplifyTalent.com. And now, back to the show. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. And I like the way you keyed on, um, I think a lot of the conversation around hybrid is is totally focused on, you know, when you would go to an office and where that office might be and how frequently you might go to that office. That's one small part of the overall kind of work construct. Uh, the physical space of where you're doing your work actually matters, I think, a lot less than the way work gets done. And, and you're right. I think if we, if companies that are embracing hybrid, if they're not designing and kind of reorienting their systems to be distributed by default, um, they're going to be creating inequity within the organization, within the system. And that's going to be 
unsustainable, especially for those employees who aren't uh, going into an office. Uh, they're just going to have a different experience than those who are, and they're not going to stay, especially in this environment now where there's so many, you know, obviously the, the great resignation has been well documented and, and covered, uh, but I think there's so much opportunity, and there's so much opportunity now that is uh, digital or is distributed by default, so people don't have to work in, in a second, you know, rate capacity within an organization uh, if it's not working for them. They can, they've got options. They can go to other places. I think the reason people focus on policies is because writing the policy is the easy part and transforming the way that you work, the way that you manage, the way that you lead, that's incredibly hard. And I think chief people officers uh, are kind of burdened with this right now. And what I'd say to them is you're not alone in this. I think nobody, even me, knows exactly how work is going to be in this kind of brave new world that we live in around remote and distributed uh, work. What we're trying to do at Almanac is provide infrastructure for that. And we built a tool that really focuses on a couple of the kind of validated changes um, or innovations we see work around remote. The first is that if you're distributed, you have to write everything down. And so at its core, Almanac's a doc editor. And the second is that if you're distributed, you have to work asynchronously. And we've seen really great companies or leaders in remote work like GitLab or Buffer embrace these ideas and prove them out long before COVID. But you know, beyond those two ideas, I think there's way more that we don't know about how remote work is going to work than what we do know. And so I think a really important part of all of this change is that um, people are able to come together and share what they've experimented with inside their companies, what's worked, what hasn't worked. I think right now there's probably the reason hybrid has focused so much on policies is because nobody knows what else they should be doing. And there's, I think, too few ways for people to come together and exchange ideas. And at the root of all this is is collaboration, uh, how people work together and, and do things that are greater than themselves. And I think the same idea needs to be applied to remote work itself. And um, I, I hope over the you know coming years, that's what we, we move from a, um, a focus on like where and when work is exactly happening to how work is happening. Because I think that's really where change needs to come. Well, look, I think it's just, you know, we're, we're, you know, in the early stages of this shift away from some of these industrial era uh, constructs of work, you know, nine to five, Monday through Friday in an office, you know, and we've shown that none of those things necessarily have to be true. And again, we're, we're talking about the roles that are able to uh, work remotely. So obviously that's a, a subset of the total uh, role. So let's, you know, acknowledge there are some people that uh, have jobs that uh, that have to be on prem, or you know, they're just the nature of the work can't be done remotely, and so we'll set those roles aside. Um, I think you know, when it comes to to you know, learning and kind of being in the early stages, I'm I'm really in bullish and uh, and personally kind of curious um, about optimizing async. You know, I think that uh, much of our uh, the way we work again is so focused on uh, meeting centric. Uh, learning and collaboration and decision making, um, and again the the old you know that meeting could have been an email. I mean that is very true, and I think uh, I, I think for all of us specifically, obviously our my audience here is primarily HR leaders and HR practitioners and people you know interested in building kind of people focused organizations. Uh, you know for them who who maybe you know do come from more of those traditional or co-located environments. Uh, and, and now they want to really be thoughtful around intentionally designing um, work systems for, you know, oriented towards distributed work and asynchronous work. What uh, what resources would you recommend? You know, books, websites, people to follow, uh, you know, if they want to expand 
their own learning and knowledge around uh, distributed and async work, what are some places they should check out? Uh, that's a great question. I think there's too few resources on this right now. And one of the things we're working on at Almanac is actually a, a cohort-based course to help people go async because it is really hard. Uh, it does require behavior change, really, um, of, of an entire team or company. And our most successful customers at Almanac we've seen um, kind of mandate that like things need to change and have laid out policies um, from the top down as well as the bottom up. And so that's been um, interesting to see uh, kind of roll out through um, some of our own customers. To answer your question, the book I always recommend is A World Without Email um, by Cal Newport. It's a really good diagnosis of how we got to this place where uh, tools that were meant to help us have become overused uh, for their initial purpose. And as a result, we become overloaded with um, constant interruptions and context switch switching. Um, and a lot of that is that, you know, tools that were meant to be asynchronous, like email, have become synchronous, essentially, um, and have become much more dominant in how we work because people are not in the same place at the same time. Um, and so rather than use tools that were designed for one purpose for a different one, Cal recommends essentially recreating a new set of tools for for the new world we, and new context we now live in. Um, and I think that's just an essential book to understand like the challenge and the opportunity. I, I think the GitLab handbook is a great resource to see how um, GitLab, which I think is one of the leaders around remote work, has basically built their own operating system before tools like Almanac existed uh, to run their company. It's all documented, which is a hallmark of remote companies. Uh, but so you can kind of dig in and understand like kind of process by process how they operate. One resource that uh, probably isn't written down anywhere that we always recommend um, to customers is to do essentially zero-based budgeting, <laughs> but for meetings. Uh, and so when you want to go async, what we recommend, and again, this, this is not a resource so much as an activity, um, is to take a look at your calendars as an executive team, um, as a department inside a company, um, and starting on a week in the future, delete all the meetings. <laughs> Um, so start with a clean calendar and then from there, add meetings as you need them. One thing that we see happening in companies is that, you know, there's a meeting calcification where things that used to have a purpose don't anymore, but people just keep going because nobody feels like they have authority to cancel <laughs> the meeting. Yep. And so, uh, essentially clearing your calendar and starting over, um, including things like one-on-ones and standups, uh, and in the process asking yourself, do I really need this meeting or can it be done asynchronously in a document? Um, is a good way to to clear out um, some space. The other thing that we've um, innovated with at Almanac internally is what we call async weeks. Uh, we do this every three to six months. We have one coming up at the end of September where we turn off our Zoom <laughs> account for the whole company. We also disable Slack. Uh, and so there's no Slack and no Zooms except for our company all hands um, during a whole week. And it's uh, we, have, we use Almanac, um, our own technology for collaboration. And it's a really great way just to understand the potential of async. Um, it's a little extreme. We don't believe that async first means async only, um, but it's good to understand, oh, we, I didn't actually need a meeting for that. I was fine in getting feedback asynchronously through email. Um, it also helps you understand what you do need um, synchronous collaboration uh, to do. Uh, and so it's just a, it's a good experiment that's time bound to help companies understand the potentials and challenges around um, moving to like a fully async modality. 
Well, Adam, I appreciate you uh, joining, letting us all uh, better understand kind of what you're building with Almanac uh, and also your views on distributed work and async uh, coordination and communication. I think that we're we're in the early stages of this shift and I'm, I'm excited for, uh, for the opportunities for the field, but I'm also grateful for leaders like you who are kind of building out in the open and sharing a lot of open source resources. You know, got to give GitLab a shout out for that as well. Uh, uh, really kind of helping us all kind of navigate this new world of work. So thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom and um, looking forward to continue to follow uh, what you're building. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Redefining HR. For more information on the podcast, past episodes, future guests, the Redefining HR book or free resources, be sure to check out redefininghr.com. And if you dig this podcast, why don't you share it with your CEO, your executive team, and your friends to help them discover what Redefining HR is all about. If you really dig this podcast, I'd love for you to leave a review on whatever podcast delivery vehicle your ears prefer. See you next week.